0: to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody, it will be your host Jackson Stone and this is episode number 88 of Jackson Talks Everybody, which is pretty cool, heading towards episode 90, heading towards episode 100. Those will be special episodes. Every everyone is a special episode. So thank you for joining me again today. I have an amazing guest who I connected with via my uncle Eric and he thought that we should chat and connect and he was absolutely right Um, the person i'm joined with today is uh, insightful and wise and generous and vulnerable and she has written a book she is uh, an author like i said a speaker a coach um someone who's just enthusiastic about helping people and sharing her story and trying to understand more about grief and how we can regain our sense of joy and wellness after a loss, specifically after the loss of a child. And so today, on this episode of Jackson Talks Everybody, I am joined by Peggy Green.
1: And Jackson, thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here this morning.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. It's it's pretty early, but I still got, I'm still fired up for it, ready to go. Um, because you're coming from from where in Colorado?
1: I'm coming from Highlands Ranch. It's uh, south of Denver, so it's early and um, cold. We've been getting some great snow, which is awesome to see.
0: Have you been a Colorado person your whole life?
1: I am a Colorado native, but shh, I don't ski.
0: I love the outdoors.
1: (laughs) I know! (laughs) What a travesty that I don't ski being a Colorado native. But I do love the outdoors. I love getting outside and and hiking and camping and running and um, have picked up pickleball. I participate in that new phenomenon of pickleball.
0: Pickleball is just taking over the world, okay? (laughs) My parents- (laughs) It's exploding. (laughs) My parents are hopping in on the trend of the pickleball. It's great. It's amazing. Um, I was actually just in Colorado uh, maybe the last time we spoke, which is maybe, I don't know, a month ago, I was there like maybe a week before that. I was in the uh, Woodland Park area and we did the the Manitou Springs incline, which was pretty intense.
1: Yeah, yeah. to think that we approach ourselves to climb stairs.
0: <laughs> it's so true. I guess, yeah. I guess yeah.
1: it's better than the indoor stair climber. But you actually feel a sense of accomplishment when you get up there that there's a beautiful view you get to see pike's peak so yeah it, it's worth it to do the incline
0: absolutely it was really it was really hard and i i, I claim to be in in fairly decent shape but it was still really really challenging my girlfriend was there with me and she she was the one who was pushing me most of the way because she's a beast but yeah it was, it was a great time it was a great time
1: well come back
0: Absolutely I love Colorado. I'll be back as soon as I can be but uh, to get this uh, this party started, um, I always start this podcast with one question usually the one question I have prepared but I prepared a few more questions for you after going through kind of your book and seeing um, all the coaching stuff that you um, that you offer and your website and all that stuff is really quite brilliant. But my first question, the most important question, something that I'm sure you ask a lot, and you get asked a lot and try to answer openly and honestly and vulnerably. So hopefully we can do that now on this with this conversation, but Peggy, how are you doing? Like for real, for real.
1: You know, and that is a good question. So it's 6.15 in the morning on a, on a holiday morning and I'm doing great. You know, um, I feel that I'm in a place where I should be. And I think Your audience kind of needs to know where I'm coming from as well and what what a little bit of my backstory is so i'll share a little bit about that, and this answer being a little ambiguous might make some more sense to them how's that sound. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah okay so think of this i'll share my story. December 2018 I was driving home it was a little bit before Christmas time and I was lost in thoughts, thinking about all the things I needed to do. Like, hmm, Christmas is coming up. What's my checklist? Who do I need to buy presents for? What shopping do I need to do? Who do I need to call? And then I was looking at the lights around me and just in that holiday festive mood. And then my phone rang. It was my oldest daughter calling me and it was common for her to talk to me while I was driving. But she was kind of discombobulated. And I heard her say something to somebody else in the background. Well, he hasn't been feeling well lately. And I knew immediately she was talking about her brother, my son, because they worked in car dealerships that were right next to each other. And they were frequently found together. So I knew she was talking about her son, but my mother's instinct told me to get off that highway because something was wrong. And I kept yelling at her, Brittany, 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 and she didn't answer. So I hung up, called her back, and she was just able to blurt out with tears, I don't know how to tell you this, but Connor is dead. He killed himself. So I hit my hands on that steering wheel, Jackson, and just said, Oh God, how? Why? And this took me a flashback of 28 years earlier because I had also lost a nine month old daughter. And so here I am sitting with now experience the loss of two children. And it's been over three years now since Connor passed. And it's been Quite the journey to get to where I am. You mentioned that I'm an author and a grief coach and a speaker, and that's quite the journey of itself So, to share, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, thank you for sharing that. i I firsthand understand uh, what that feels like to share that story all the time.. Um, And it's, yeah, it's just really complicated, the grief is, and where it can, where it can lead you if you, um, if you allow that um, kind of most tragic, painful moment to, to alter you in a way that allows you to um, maybe value life a little bit deeper and to be able to share that with others who haven't yet found the strength that they already have inside of them to find their joy again and regain this sense of well-being and happiness so you know i'm I'm still in the midst of it just like you uh 2018 was uh was the year my sister passed away and so i'm a little over three years into it as well and and trying to do some of the same things that that you're in the midst of doing and while working through my own stuff and sharing that journey and uh, process with other people and coming together in that process and you know linking arms with those folks who feel the same way and trying to just navigate these waters together, I think has been a uh, an important part for me. And I'm thankful that you're doing the work that you're doing because it's it's helping and it's saving people's lives and it's allowing us to. Uh, know that we we can we can overcome these things, but we don't have to overcome them by by pushing them away or shoving them down, but by you know facing them head on and then and then moving in that direction with that pain kind of forever.
1: yeah, absolutely. Death by suicide is very unique, and I have found that as I've experienced loss, uh, I'm trying to get out of saying that word lost because to me it's like then I'm continuing searching to find them and so now that my two children are gone and they've been two very different modalities of passing and so it's I've struggled with why it's been so different you know I have experienced the the death of not only two children those are my bookends of grief right now but in between in there My father passed away at the young age of 69. My sister was only 53. And then more recently, my mom was in her 80s. But then I also have experienced other cousins, a niece who died by suicide as well, who was my son's age. And so those are my bookends of grief. And now to use that, that experience and that growth to help others is is where I've gone. So I I spent after my son passed away, you know, that initial shock will be there, even if I've been experienced, and I chose to just blog. I guess on on Facebook. I don't know what else to, to call that. Is I started blogging my my pain my grief, and I had so much support, but as I progressed, that pain and grief started to, to transfer into how I was healing. And that was helping others, people who are following and commenting on what I did, they could see that progress and like, oh yeah, that's helping me in my grief. Wow. I could have used that. Wow, I'm going to apply that. So I made a commitment to myself to start to to keep blogging on Facebook. And through that, I had so many of my friends and family, and even those who I truly don't know on Facebook, recommend and ask for me to write a book. So I did. It's not something I ever intended to do, but it took, when I look back on that year and the tools that I used, it's like, I need to share these. I originally thought, <laughs> this is how I'm not experienced in writing a book. I was like, oh, great. I got my book written. I'm just gonna pull all those blogs off of Facebook, throw it in a book and I'm done. Not, you know, that was, um, that's not the way you write a book. However, I must tell you, if you want to see my journey, that is available mm-hmm. on my website. It is called The First 365 Days. So the website is thegriefspecialist.com and it's with two E's because I feel like I am the one. I am the one with the answers. So if you wanna see that progression, you can get that on my website. And then the book is Life After Child Loss, The Mother's Survival Guide to Cope and Find Joy. And the reason being is Jackson is when my nine month old daughter passed away, 1991. My mom was available, my sister was available, and maybe a couple close friends. So I had a somewhat of a tight inner circle. But even at that time, my grief was so different than my then husband that we really didn't support each other. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get that support. And that's not uncommon. People don't grieve the same, and and especially with child loss, that's very different. And so I didn't have that support, and I made it through, through my tenacity, my perseverance, and to pull together all my life experiences to help me get through it, and that was tough. Back then, really, child loss was swept under the rug. I mean, it still is, but we're doing that job of opening it up and the loss by suicide and so I was—I felt that I had a lot to share and so that's what this book is about is really that journey and the things that I used to be able to process then and then more recently my son but everything that I've gained in between all those other losses I've mentioned
0: yeah it's why do you think for parents of uh, children that they lose to suicide? Why do you why do you think that causes so much um, tension between the parents? Is it because the guilt, the blame, the shame uh, that they lost a child? Are they blaming each other? um what is what has your experiences told you about that
1: all of the above and so much more i mean as a parent we feel that obligation to protect our children we feel that we know our children we know that what's going on and in the case i mean just there's so many examples even with my son he was 24 and he was kind of struggling with what a 24 year old can be struggling with as a young adult is that still getting on his feet financially relationships career and then he had something that just culminated which broke the camel's back and he made a decision and that decision changed the trajectory of his life by ending it and then the trajectory of the rest of the family and those close to him but there were he didn't talk about it he was loved he was happy this is all outward he may have shown a few signs and saying something especially in reference to his cousin who took her life as well but there wasn't anything any alarms or red flags that we said we have to do something about this we have to take him to a mental institution there weren't any of those red flags so as a parent you want to protect them. But when we don't know what's going on inside their heads, we can't protect them. And even if we knew what was going inside, we can't control them. We can't control what they think. We can't control what they do. One of the tools that I use with that, Jackson, is as there's a something called the three Cs. And this one actually comes from 12 step programs. I attended one as a family member of an alcoholic and to support that. So, Al Anon. And I myself wasn't the alcoholic, but I knew others. My ex husband was. And the three C's you can't control, you didn't cure, and you didn't cause. So you can't control what's going on in those thoughts. You can't cure their problems and you didn't cause them to take their own life. So to be able to process it and think about those three Cs. So parents come to the table and it's relevant to even their relationship, their life experiences, how they went through and processed grief even when they were younger. But there is so much associated with suicide. You know, the shame, because there are people that just won't mention it. They're so ashamed that they're like, oh, my son took their own life because they think that others are judging them. They feel guilty that they weren't able to do those three Cs, or again, that they couldn't cure them. They were, feel guilty that they didn't know them. They, they feel guilty that even if they did know some that they felt that they could have done more. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many questions of why, why didn't they come to me? Well, and I have one of my clients right now who's struggling with that. Why didn't they come to me? Because for the person who chooses to end their life, there could be that pride. I think that's part of it. It's like, oh, no, I'm not gonna admit that I have mental health issues. But then also the other thing is when you're in the midst of mental health issues, you don't know that you have them, you know? And it's like, you may not feel right, but you can't put your finger on it and say, wow, this is what I'm feeling. And this is the kind of help that I need because sometimes it's that inner turmoil. So, it's difficulty and to have two parents who do it and react so differently i mean just even for example when courtney died my nine-month-old is that my ex-husband did not want to talk about her Mm -hmm. and even when we went to my in-laws for christmas my mother-in-law had a tiny little apple tree with little apples on it with the names of all of her grandchildren and she would take Courtney's off. And this is when I had three other children when we went. And because the other cousins knew about her, but my children did not. I finally had to break that ice and share with my kids, but he couldn't talk about her Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, maybe just too painful. I, I don't quite know, but he couldn't. But for me to talk about my children, it's healing and it's remembering them. And I liken that to my grandmother passed away. I talk about her. Yeah, she yeah, she she's gone. But let's talk about my children as well. And people just don't understand that. So there's so many reasons why. Spouses find it difficult to really work through child loss and then child loss by suicide. There's so many questions. It's unique. And it's very
0: different. Yeah, I, in a in a personal story, I. At the very beginning of my journey, after I lost my sister, when people asked me if I had any siblings, I would say that I was an only child for a very brief time after she passed, because that's how I felt in that moment. And then I would go home. And I would think about that interaction and I would feel way more guilty about it because that's not true. It's not true. I have a big sister, her name is Rachel. She was a magical human being just because she's not with me alive. you know, She's still around and, and all that good stuff that I believe to be true. And so I've grown to say that of course, yes, I have an older sister. And then you know, people ask follow-up questions. And then I choose to answer those questions In regards to how much energy and space I have available for that. But I'm not dismissing or letting my sister go in any sort of way because she is my big sister and she always will be. And so I had to learn that. And that's a challenging thing because you know, people ask you very common questions like what's your job? How many siblings do you have? And for me, both of those questions now in my life involve the work that I do in mental health and mostly involve my sister. So it just depends, you know how I can answer that question. But I want to start by answering it honestly and openly, and then divulging as much information as I want, depending on how I'm feeling the day, the person I'm talking to, the setting, right? All of those things. But initially I want to be very honest. And that was an important lesson for me to learn because then I wasn't going home feeling guilty and shameful about just forgetting my sister because that's not what I want to do. That in itself can never happen because I'm living My life, and that's what she would have wanted, and things like that. And so that was just an interesting process for me to go through. And I'm sure, you know, parents go through the same thing when thinking about their child. But I do agree with you wholeheartedly that it's so, so, so important to talk about your loved one that you lost because it's like the memories you have with them are beautiful and they shaped you and they're still shaping you, and they're changing you, and they're encouraging you to grow and and live and not move on, because that's a a bad phrase, but move forward with it, I think, is a better phrase. And so, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you for sharing.
1: Absolutely. And Jackson, I'm so with you on that. And there are times because my bandwidth is low that I do just mention my two living girls, because it's, it's also I make that snap decision Who is this person? How much are they going to dig? And how much, (laughs) excuse me, how much can I share? And then also, it's like, how much, how, how much, how well do I know them? And where is this relationship going to go? Yeah. Because it really is, it changes. And I really think that it's different in between losing a sibling because my sister has passed. So I've been through that. But losing children and it's very quickly shuts down the conversation it because they don't know how to do it, they, they're they're they, we're not trained, we don't know how to respond to child death. Mm-hmm. And, however, when I have mentioned it sure. to others. i've also opened up that door for conversations for others whose child has died by suicide. And that we now have made that connection and understand and we speak that unique language and have that deeper level of understanding. So I find that that really opens up some as well. And even when Courtney passed is that as I spoke with others that because it was at such an early age, I've had others who have spoken up more about child loss and pregnancy and stillbirths and um, birth defects that they only lived a short period. So it's also opens up that that dialogue.
0: Yeah, absolutely does. I circling back to originally when you kind of initially started sharing your story and talking about you writing a book, I think that that path that you're kind of Been writing and on now, and kind of has landed you at is really quite amazing because you know, you started on just Facebook, right? Sharing your story, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions very similar to journaling, but you were doing it in a public place on a public platform, which is one takes a lot of courage and strength, especially feeling the way you were feeling while you're feeling it, and then sharing that, and then you know, not yet being an expert on the subject per se, but being an expert because of your own lived experience, which makes you an expert. And then just deciding to write a book, amazing, right? And then on the back of your book, the bio says health and wellness enthusiast, which now a couple of years, even after that, it's even, uh, it's that's not really true because well, you're still an enthusiast for health and wellness, but now you're actually a speaker and a coach and a specialist. So you've like moved through these different channels, but you wrote this book when you were just feeling the way you were feeling. And now you have this book and on top of this, you have this framework and these ideas and this specialization and how to move people through grief. And I think that's a cool transition because I think a lot of people feel like they need to write the book after they're like deemed a specialist or an expert, but you're a specialist. Anyone in general is a specialist or an expert if they've gone through the thing that they're going through, and anyone can talk about it, and it's so cool, you know, that's the great thing about social media. No matter what its its negative connotations are, which there are a lot, sure, but there's some beautiful positive aspects of technology, and the way you utilized it and and traveled to where you are now, I think is is quite amazing. So, yeah, I'm just acknowledging you for that.
1: Oh well, thank you so yeah writing my book was very cathartic and really when i started putting and evaluating how i made it through you know so that's where this first book is it's life after child loss the Mother survival guide to cope and find joy so that framework covers things such as having community remember i talked about that and and i had a close circle but it's also to have a bigger circle and then even bigger to have that reaching out. And so something I just, I wanna put a caveat and and a little bit of a warning regarding social media, Mm -hmm. especially Facebook, because that's where I am most of the time. There's a lot of different Facebook groups, grief groups, which I participate in to see the pulse of what's going on and but I also see there's some good and there's some bad so just to be aware of that because as you're in that Facebook group there are people daily who come in because they've just experienced a loss the death of a loved one the death of a child and they're raw and maybe you're three months into it and you're starting to feel a little bit better then you come in and you experience this rawness and this pain again, and it just pulls you back in. Mm-hmm. And then you progress. And now you're six months and you see somebody else that's just as raw. So you continue to just pour salt in that wound. So if you need to participate in one, and I and I and I have, but do it mindfully with intention and purpose. If you need some support, and it's like. Today's a tough day, I need some support. And they're great for that. But if you sit there and scroll through and through and through, you just see more and more stories of tragedy. And not to say we don't feel a heart for them, we can pray for everybody in that group that what they're going through is that they're healing, but put yourself in forward motion. Don't continue to be drawn back into that sinkhole, into the depth of the new grief or you can go in and support one person and then pop back out. Use it mindfully and carefully. So that so Facebook can be a community. Right. It can right. be your tribe. And then the other things is is just being able to it said being able to talk about your child. I call it in a chapter of the book is the elephant in the room. And we've talked about that and mentioned you know, that was important and I share that story about Christmas time and even the other things that you can be struggling with. What kind of memorial and when? At 24, we hadn't had a conversation with my son regarding death and what he would want and so (laughs) cremation was chosen and then what? Mm -hmm. We didn't have a memorial, a place to go, and we ordered with those cremation, with his ashes, a living tree memorial. And what that is 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 that the ashes, a bit of dirt, some top toppings like bark, and then the receipt of a sapling, about 18 to 24 inches. Being in in December, we didn't order it yet. We still have yet to order it because we ran into some hiccups in trying to find where we could put it. I was like, oh, we'll go plant it on national forest ground. Well, A, I think that's probably illegal. Mm -hmm. And B, who's gonna take care of it? And C, the deer and, and nature, the likelihood of that making it through a national forest. And then E, are we going to go visit it? No. So then we did some more research and found a local park where Connor skateboarded. He cut his teeth on skateboarding at a park in Highlands Ranch. We're like, perfect, perfect place. Well, they won't take saplings, kind of for the same reason. So we wound up purchasing a tree and having it planted close to where he spent so much of his time. That was two years later. So there's no rush if you don't know. You don't have to make those decisions immediately. Others. Find that a traditional cemetery and gravestone are what works, but deciding what you wanna do for a memorial. The other thing is what to do with their possessions. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember walking back after Courtney passed away that night, we had a room and we had laid out a blanket on the floor. You know, that's where she had played the night before and we scooped it up and just threw it in the bedroom. And I shut that door. She was the first of my four children. So me on the practical side, I guess, kept everything. And even the crib blanket got passed through all my children until my last one wore it out. So we kept those. And there's a few special ones that I've kept in a box. And then my son lived in a house and he was a roommate and he took Some of my mom's furniture after she passed away into this house full of 20 something boys. And we left all the furniture. We took his clothing. He was a tie dye guy. He would wear tie dye t shirts. So we dispersed. He had 20 t shirts. So I dispersed them to his friends in the house and to other family members in his memory. But there's a few things that I've kept. I have a coat, you know, I have his name tag. But what do you do with those? and what feels right. So I have something that I kept and preserved and others that I just gave away, but helping to guide you through that and then taking care of yourself. You know, that's a big piece. And there's so many important pieces in being able to make it through this. And so, so much more of it is covered in that book, in my first book.
0: Amazing, and you're uh, in the process of writing uh, book number two, right?
1: Yes, I am. I go am. On. Oh, go Um ahead. Yeah, this one is more specific to suicide because after Connor died, as I mentioned, and 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 as you well know, the complexities and the why, and one of the things that really helped me in even processing that was understanding it. So. I think for so many others who have experienced the death of a loved one, that they're suicide loss survivors, that we want to know why. And so I really cover a lot about suicide. And even that inner thinking, what's going on with you? What do you think is going on with them? And talking about acceptance, because I honestly believe that until we accept the death of a passing one, if we continue to live in denial, that we'll never be able to move forward because we're stuck in the past. And as a grief coach, I talk about the present and we focus on forward motion. So in my book, we I cover acceptance, talking about the fear that's associated with moving forward and, and the healing process. And then finally, recovery in physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And this brings me to that point of, you mentioned that I was in fitness. Well, yeah, I grew up being active. I played in outdoors all the time. I gardened and I knew that's what kept me healthy. And that's one of the premises I think and believe that really helped me to make it through so much but in that practicality bless you <laughs> in that practicality of surviving things and in, in in the life experiences so i have a formal degree in fitness i was a personal trainer for 14 years i have a formal degree in business marketing in knowing how to relate to people in bringing those formal educations along with the personal training of coaching understanding relating and helping people i bring that together with all these other experiences and my growth of my mental emotional and spiritual i combine all of those to give you a holistic picture of how to move forward because So many times i see in the mental health professional realm is that they forget the physical piece Mm -hmm. and we know that the physical piece you're shaking your head yes you totally agree the physical component (laughs) that we you know get outdoors we feel better our body produces hormones that helps us feel better which actually go to our mental uh, function and that helps and it starts to flip switches And then when we start to mentally think better, we feel like we want to exercise more, then we reach out to our higher power, for me is God, that we can do that. So it all works together. And I think that's really very foundational is that we do not forget those components of health. I think it's critical that we combine all those. So bringing the whole thing together, that's my philosophy on healing and that's where i bring that together in this next book. The working title is Sur- survive suicide loss. Yes, you can. And we'll see if that's the working you know that's the working title and it may change. But the goal is to help those especially parents and maybe even mothers who've lost a child to suicide, whose a child has died by suicide.
0: Well, Uh, I'm I'm excited to for that book to come out and for how it impacts people even more than your first book. But I want to circle back to something uh, about initially dealing with the loss of a child or dealing with anyone, basically, who you lost in your life and dealing with those firsts that come into your life, first birthdays, first New Year's, first Christmas. You lost your son, Connor, very close to Christmas, and so I'm sure that first Christmas was it was extraordinarily challenging. What kind of advice do you give people in those instances or those occasions when those things pop up for the first time?
1: Yes, and that's uh, That's a really interesting question because, again, the differences. And so I can just share how I deal with it because my younger daughter is totally, totally different. But yes, you know, December 14th, shortly before Christmas, but in having my son pass away. And <clears throat> I think that I was in shock, definitely in shock. And, and part of what I did, I think, was just on autopilot going through the emotions. However, I also knew that for me to sit in silence and and on the couch and under the covers isn't what was going to work for me so i did my best to get out and do some of the things that i enjoyed but also gave me that gave myself the grace if something came up i could excuse myself i could leave i could cry and those first the first Christmas is like yeah it's here, and and so it was that earmark like wow this is, this is the first one, and it felt so different, and I had the family with me and it was difficult, even though I wanted to it was difficult to talk about Connor. Um, and each time each date. I had to acknowledge that. Yes, I, I'm accepting it. And for me to get through all those first. So Christmas, my birthday is December and then new year. So three holidays in the matter of two weeks. Yeah, I guess I just call my birthday a holiday, didn't I?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's a holiday. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, yeah, you know, so three of those special days in two think in my mind, especially because Connor was 24, as as an adult, I thought, what would he want me to do? How would he, what words would he say to me to help me to get through this? And what I heard was, Mom, keep going. (laughs) Got to keep going. And when it came to his birthday, we had a small celebration and that's in March. And then as all the other holidays came around, we tried to still do things as a family in his honor, recognize that he wasn't there and move through it. And after that first one, it was a big sigh for me. Because I know how I've gone through grief. And that after that first year, that's a big aha that I made it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And film that I was able to make it. But to recognize them, celebrate them and live life. <sighs> life doesn't stop when somebody else dies. It's part of this circle of life, you know. And I think sometimes we forget that life and death are inevitable. Yeah. Now we may not always like the timing, we don't always like the how, but it's part of that circle of life and we need to remember it. And there's no guarantee. We have we've we've developed through the years this expectation that parents outlive children or children outlive parents, excuse me. It's a societal expectation. That's like, this is supposed to be the way it it happens. But step back a hundred years ago, even in the farming community, families would have 10 children. And by the time they would be 10 years old, half of them would have passed away either due to accident or disease. So there was no, there's no guarantee. And I think that's part of it is to realize that and accept like this, there, there's no guarantee. And I think that was very helpful for me as well, Uncle. This is part of life. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's that's an, that's a nice way to to say that is to to recognize it and then to celebrate that that life and those moments and what they would want and all of those beautiful things yeah thank you for sharing that yeah it for me i think about a lot of like since i since my sister passed away i, I value life and the moments you know much more than i ever would before and that makes you think about like well what did i miss you know, what did I what did I not recognize and celebrate in my life that was special and amazing before this happened? And so now, uh, just like you, I want people to to do that, to recognize that, celebrate that, and to live in the present and be alive for what you're doing. And no matter how long life lasts for you or for anyone around us, let's let's enjoy it as much as we can. And, and have our joy and our happiness and our fulfillment and our meaning and our purpose and all of those things that you can acquire and live through in your life but it uh it's hard to do that unless you've gone through something really painful to kind of invigorate you to to live that way and so uh i i I, my urge to people is to start now live now celebrate now you know tell the people in your life you love them every single day as much as you can and uh and see what kind of um, beauty and magic you can create in your life through through that kind of love and kindness and um, fragility that life has
1: yeah absolutely when something is tragically taken away from us when it's no longer accessible to us we miss it even more but to be able to think about it which you've done amazing job as well and in your transformation and how you're helping others and becoming that mental health advocate and wanting to help young athletes to be that role model because i think so many times is it in our so many things that are dysfunctional that to be that role model and and help others and to just do something simple out of I write and publish now instead of the daily Facebook posts I have a Thursday thoughts which I write and, and publish and if you want that that you can also sign up for that on my website but one of the things that i went to a wedding in october of last year and this young lady was a peer of my sons and family no one her her parents and no one watched her grow up and and she had on they had a memorial table for those who were not in attendance and which a lot of times it's you know, older grandparents that couldn't make it, that they've either passed or they can't travel. And there were two special photographs on that table one of the groom's friend who had died many years earlier in high school, and then one of Connor. And that just really was so beautiful for me. So I blogged about that and shared. And out of that arose so many people responding to that. That it was recommended that i start a group so i started a group called gestures of kindness where we get together as a group and do different things to help our community and paying it forward not to say that we don't do it individually but this was really nice because it struck a chord with them as well and so we have gathered packages for the homeless we've gathered food and supplies for animal shelters and currently we are providing meals for one of the members who's going through cancer treatments. And so to be able to pay that forward and have that joy and find that purpose to help others and then really love everybody. We don't know what they're going through. A simple smile and having the patience and the grace. I think it's just so important. And so many times when we do it for others, it really lifts us up. Mm-hmm. So help others, and 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 it will brighten your day. I challenge you to say hi to three people in the grocery store, or let somebody in line in traffic.
0: Yeah. yeah, life is uh life life is really really hard sometimes, and added some grief into it, it makes it really complex, and so love and empathy and compassion and kindness for one yourselves very important and passing that on to others can can make life not a little bit better but a lot better and a lot better for all of us when we're when we feel that way about each other and for strangers alike i think is is quite important and unbelievably powerful so yeah absolutely so, I have from your book here, which is right here. Um, you wrote uh, here on one of the last few chapters, um, The Framework for Regaining Joy. And I'm just gonna kind of go through the framework here one by one. But number one is to journal, which I'm a big proponent of. So, I think that's amazing. Number two, find your tribe, your community, your support group. Right? Number three, Talk about your child or your loved one, right? Remember them for how amazing they were. Find your higher power, whatever that's, religious, faith-based, spiritual-based, all that stuff is quite important. Believing in something bigger than yourself. Remembering your child. Um, Number six is dealing with holidays, birthdays, and firsts, like we just touched on. Number seven, self-care. Number eight, personal growth. And that's it. So that's your framework right there for um regaining joy how how did you construct that and why do you think that's important
1: yeah that is just so much of all the things that i brought together mm-hmm. to be able to do this and when i evaluated those facebook posts that blog i looked at it and said yeah this is what i did and these are the important things that helped me to get through it In Well, there's no order on any of that. I did start with the easier one with journaling because it's so simple, so easy. There's no rules to it. It's a free flow of your thoughts. The only recommendation that I make is that you date it, put the date on it. And if you journal a couple times, put the time because just like my Facebook blogs, I was able to go back and look, oh God, this is where my heart was really raw and I had nothing else to say except talk about my pain. And then as I moved further, I saw the progress, the progressions like, okay, this is how I dealt with it. I was having a tough day, so I went for a walk and I got outdoors. So journaling is the easiest of them all. It's a safe place. There's no judgment. <laughs> You can cuss, you can write every single thought when a lot of times there's anger at the person who chose to end their life, and you can write that down and get that out, or you can write and say, I love you. This is how I miss you, I wish you were here, but journaling is so easy, and so I started with that and then moved on to it you know through those different steps and processes your tribe and your um you know finding their memorial and their possessions and the last one is personal growth i tell you i've been a big believer of personal growth because in a time like this we make a choice we make a decision how we want to live our life. Like I said, we don't let death dictate how we live. Because it's natural. It's natural. So we want to be able to move forward through that. And personal growth helps us. And even if it's listening to positive, uplifting podcasts, things that can help you like this one, Jackson, that people can hear this, they can listen and learn. Or if there's something that they want to learn, like a new sport, some music, reading, uh, arts, a craft, something that challenges you to become better. And maybe it's something that you do in honor of your loved one. I mean, I I've been in the coaching realm in one way or another for 15 years. Did I ever anticipate that I'd be a grief coach? No, but do I do it in honor of my son and saying, this is what he would want. He would want me to help people to take that experience and and help others who have experienced a loved one going on before them. So that's just really huge. So, you know, think about this whole progression. And I really like this analogy is, you're initially standing in your grief and you've got this big big canyon this carafe of vastness with rushing water underneath you and on the other side there's greenery and there's hope but you don't know how you're going to get across it but there is this rope bridge that's in between you and the other side and that rope bridge is constructed of of rope and maybe some slats on the bottom they're not together there's gaps in between them and the rope is just skimpy barely enough to attach so it's anchored on both sides. there's grief on one side and then on the other side there's your hope your peace your joy and your happiness and you want to move across that you see it but you don't know how to achieve it you're standing there at the very very beginning and thinking i want this but how do i do it and this is scary as all hell it's scary because there you could slip you could fall you could what are the perils that lie below there's that fear but being able to take that first step okay am i going to journal am i going to get outside you take that step and you're holding with a grip onto those ropes. And if you look down on what could be, if you fail, then it's terrible. And instead of doing that, you wanna focus on the other side. Take that step, taking each step. And sometimes it's short in between sides, but when you get on that bridge, it's unstable. You don't know what's going on. You're swinging, you're swaying the wind and the cold. And there's doubt, but you take another step and the weight of, the, of your body on that bridge, you sink a little bit and you're like, oh God, I'm going down. I'm going down. But no, as you take the next step and the next step, so you want to be able to focus and see that that's there, but you have to walk across this perilous bridge that scares the crap out of you to get there. It's a journey the only way to do it is to travel it so walking that rope bridge do it taking those steps the fear and finding maybe even that purpose on the other side as you're walking through it you have that chance to think and go okay what am i going to do with this what am i going to do with my story what am i going to do with what has happened to me you can either sit on it and just survive it or you can make something bigger out of it. You don't have to be a grief coach. You don't have to become a podcast host, but even if you do something simple, like I said, smiling at somebody, having a purpose and changing somebody's day, walk across that bridge, no matter how perilous it may be, there is hope on the other side. And that brings me around to your first question, Jackson, the one, how am I doing? today. I'm doing well today. Not to say there aren't moments, there aren't days. But that is natural with grief. And one of the things to think about is that as human beings, human beings, the species, we're not meant to be happy 100% of the time, we are meant to feel those emotions. How we deal with them is the question, we are meant to deal with those emotions. So today I'm good, I'm good.
0: Amazing, I'm so glad you brought it all the way back. Yeah, it's like, it's like it, I think it's as simple as this, like what you are afraid of is very frightening, right? The pain you feel is very real and it's a lot. But however, hope, healing, overcoming your obstacles are just as real and just as possible. And it's one incremental step at a time day by day where your best looks very different every day some days you're deep in sadness and grief but that doesn't mean you're still not moving through it that means you're just being able to feel and acknowledge your loved one and some days you feel great and some days there's a mixture of emotions and you're feeling good and bad at the same time you're feeling overwhelmed and excited at the same time potentially at a, a family function where you're So happy to be with your family and friends, but you're also missing the one that you love who could be there, right? There's just so many intermingling in in, of emotions, and just know that you're doing an amazing job if you're just trying. You're trying to do these things, you're aiming in the right direction, you're adding some more meaning into your life, you're being responsible for your decisions and your choices, and you're showing yourself that that love and that grace and that kindness that you would show anyone else in your life who's going through the exact same thing. And so I think that's a beautiful place to stop. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, funny stories, anecdotes to share?
1: Um, No, I'm not the comedian, but thank you. (laughs) Now, I would just say is that to reach out, and one of the things that I offer is if you really wanna talk to me, please do. You can visit my website, thegriefspecialist.com, and that's with two ease. And there's a place that you can schedule a consultation and see if grief coaching is for you. I think I've shared that I'm holistic and, and you have a good feeling of how I work, but until we connect, because grief is so personal mm-hmm. and it's important to have somebody walk alongside with you. And we just, we don't have that traditional system anymore. Life has just changed and I'm here because I've been through it, and I would love to have that conversation, and get a copy of my book. You can check out the first three hundred sixty-five days and stay tuned for my next one.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I encourage you to visit the website, sign up for the uh, the Thursday thoughts, and then. Um, Go to, your own on Twitter and Instagram as well and Facebook as well, or the website is, is the best place to reach you at?
1: So I do have, um, I'm not as active on Twitter and Instagram. I am on there as again, as The Grief Specialist, but so my Facebook is thegriefspecialist.com or if you'd like to join our community uplifting Facebook group, um, it's Grief to Hope, Mothers Who Survived the Loss of a Child by Suicide. That you can join that where you can see some extra tips on that and just get some positive inspiration to move through that. So, several choices. So, I'd love to see you, love to chat with you.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. We'll uh, we'll link all that stuff in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you and um, experience all the beautiful things that you're sharing with the world. So, I thank you for joining me today. Um, You're amazing. Beautiful, insightful, wise person. And I'm really glad that you're sharing everything you're sharing with the world so that, you know, we can make it just a little bit more loving and caring, you know, one day at a time. So thank you so much. And much, much love to you and your family and and everyone that you touch.
1: Thank you so much, Jackson. I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm sorry that you're going through this, but had that not been the case, we wouldn't have met.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel that a lot in in things that have lined up in my life and how things have played out so I yeah I feel very lucky and blessed to be in this position doing what I'm doing and having these conversations and you know doing this which I never saw myself doing but I'm very 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 um, fulfilled that I'm, I'm doing it so that seems that seems cool to me. Cheers. Thanks, everyone, for watching. See you guys next time. And, again, this was episode number 88 of Jackson Talks. everybody. On our way to 4th, episode 19. That's amazing. And we we'll hope you guys have a great week. And we'll talk to you very soon.